All right, praise God. With that, um, I just want to invite up our guest speaker. We're so blessed to have Pastor David here. Pastor David is actually the pastor of the church that sent us out here. So he's a longtime friend, a mentor. We go way back, I think, what, 20 years? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was like in puberty when I met him. Uh, so <laughs> literally, I don't know if Pastor David knows this, but I actually met you when I was in high school. So no joke, I was literally in puberty when I, when I met him. <laughs> he came and visited. His uncle actually was one of the elders and a uh, youth leader at my old church when I was growing up. So we go way back. But Pastor David is the senior pastor of the Garden Church in Chatsworth, which is a city north of L.A. Uh, he's married to his wife, Sharon. Um, he has two sons, Daniel and Joel. And they're already out of college. My goodness, time goes so fast. So um, let's just give a warm welcome as Pastor David comes up. Hmm. Yeah, this never happens. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, real peaceful drive. I really feel like, is that still kind of, I feel like I'm home here. Uh, you guys are, we're sister churches, uh, the garden, and me and Pastor Roy, uh, we go way back almost 30 years. So our church was started in 1995, uh, right near UCLA, which is where Jackson is there. Uh, Second year, and when we started out, we were mostly a college church, but now we've put that 30 years. I mean, if somebody stayed a college student for 30 years, that's a serious <laughs> problem. Uh, but now we have the kids going to college, uh, as Pastor Roy shared. Uh, my kids, yeah, they're 27 and 23, and uh, time just goes by. I mean, in my mind, I feel like I'm still 30, but I'm 54. And uh, I'm just really blessed uh, to be here. Pastor Roy told me what the theme was for this year, and it just so resonates with, uh, with my heart. And I'm going to share a message regarding that theme, the theme of disciple. And I got one of these uh, rare, this is rare now, paper, right? Uh, in, these, in this uh, tech, tech uh, age that we're living in. When we started the church, we didn't even have email. Um, and then the, uh, there was no, like, fast internet. You had to literally actually dial up, and uh, time goes by, crazy things. Um, so we are, and it's just a, such a blessing. So Pastor Roy and I, we swap every year. Uh, so he came earlier. We were so blessed. You guys have an awesome pastor. Amen? Amen. I didn't hear, come on, you got to encourage. I know October is Pastor Appreciation Month, but you should continue to appreciate your pastor. Um, he's one of the best teachers I know. He's just so insightful and um, really engages the word in a very relevant way. And so you guys are really blessed to have Pastor Roy week, week in and week out. And uh, so he comes and blesses us, and then I come here once a year. So it's great to be here. Um, the title of today's message is, I forgot it, so I got to look. All right, it's, Peter's Lesson in Discipleship. Peter's Lesson in Discipleship. And I really believe God has a personal word for each person here today, man. The word of God is living and active. And, um, you know, in the parable of the sower, it's all about our hearts. The word has power. One word from God can totally change your life. The question is, is your, is your heart ready for it? And um, so let's just pray real quick for our hearts. Uh, Lord, um, you can just go ahead and put your hand on your heart and just pray for your own heart. That'll be good soil today. 
Because God wants to change your life today through his word. Not through my words, but through his word. So Lord, just make our hearts good soil today. Make our hearts good soil. Your word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And with your eyes closed, I'm going to read the word of God. And I want to encourage you to engage your imagination. Um, do this sometimes. It's called the Ignatian, um, Ignatian a method with scripture, engaging your imagination, picturing the scripture. God gives us his imagination. And I'm going to be looking at today the uh, story of Peter walking on the water. And I want to encourage you, if, if, if you want to, um, to picture yourself as the character of Peter. So just read the word, and just with that in mind, I'm going to read the word of God. I believe God's going to speak to us. Um, so I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, Matthew 14. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Lord, just give us the word today. Just give us the word and we will come. In Jesus' name, amen. This really happened, amen? How many believe this really happened? This really happened. This is a miracle. Jesus walked on the water. He defied the laws of gravity and physics and nature. And he walked on water. Not just a calm water. This is like a raging sea, right? It wasn't like just this still lake. It is a raging in a, uh, water in a storm, the lake in a storm. And um, the context of Matthew 14 is that Jesus just fed the 5,000 along with children. They say that it's probably about 15,000 people. You know that miracle, right? And that was another miracle. I mean, in John 6, we see just one person's lunch, a little boy's lunch, and literally takes that one lunch like a Lunchables. I don't, they didn't have Lunchables back then, but a small lunch. These aren't like big fish. These are little like sardines. And he takes that and he feeds 15,000. Just think about it. Sometimes we become numb to the craziness of the miracles that Jesus did, right? I mean, walking on water was a, was a crazy miracle. And feeding the 15,000 or 5,000 plus the women and children 
amazing miracles. And Jesus told them to cross the lake. He knew what was going to happen. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen. What was going to happen? He told them to cross the lake, and things went from good. You know, when I, uh, you know, when I grew up, one of the shows that I watched was Gilligan's Island. You know, they were on a three-hour tour, and then they got shipwrecked. Like this massive storm happened. It was a great show. It was a long time ago. Look it up. Google it. But they they just thought they were just be going to the other side. And then this massive storm hits, okay? So it went from zero to 100. They think they're going to die now. I mean, literally, it's 3 a.m. They've been there on the, and they're like, what the heck? What is going on? That's, life is like that. Everything is fine, and then all of a sudden, your life can get turned upside down. I mean, wasn't our life fine in February 2020? It was fine, right? I mean, you just heard a little bit about a virus that was going around, is it, it's, oh, yeah, it is a virus, right? Coronavirus. And then all of a sudden, everything gets locked down. And I, we thought, okay, so we went, everybody went online. Remember that? I mean, this, nobody expected this. Although the scientists, they kind of knew that there might be something coming down the pike. And people were thinking there was talk, you know, that we'll, we'll be able to worship at Easter, which was in, in April. Yeah, Easter in 2023, <laughs> literally, wasn't that crazy? And nobody knew about what the virus, they didn't know it was airborne in the beginning. You guys remember wiping down packages? I mean, that nobody expected that. That's just life. We live in a life that storms can come suddenly. I could do a whole message on the storms of life, but we're not going to talk about the storms of life. We're going to talk about discipleship. And so it's in the context. I mean, this is crisis. This is, sometimes we read it, it's like, oh, it must have been, you know, kind of like bumpy, you know. No, no, they, they think they're going to die. And it's in that context, of course, Jesus doesn't leave them. Jesus doesn't leave us in our storm. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Amen? Maybe some of you right now are going through a major storm. I want to tell you, Jesus is with you. He's with you. That's what his promise is. You don't, may not feel him, but he's with you. And so Jesus doesn't leave his disciples alone. He comes to them and walking on the water. And so they're just freaking out because they never saw Jesus that way. And so they don't recognize him. They scream. They think he's a ghost. That's what, wouldn't you think that too? If you saw Jesus, you're like, is it, who is this? I mean, but you know, if they put the, put the, did the spiritual math, I mean, Jesus just fed the 15,000. So, like, if he could do that, then he could do this. But when you're in crisis, sometimes things get kind of blurry. They're not thinking clearly. They're just thinking, we're going to die. And now it's, our situation just got worse because we have a storm and now we have a ghost. We have to. And Jesus says, calm down. It is I. And that's the first point I want to just look at a little bit, okay? Jesus is the miracle-working God, Amen. Amen? He, he's walking on water. That's a miracle. He fed the 15,000. That's a miracle. His great, he opened up the blind eyes. That's a miracle. His greatest miracle was what he did on the cross and three days after rising again. That's the greatest miracle. That's what we base our faith on. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we get numb, inoculated to the reality that Jesus is the miracle-working God. 
That's our Lord. That's our Savior. That's the God that we worship. Now, let me ask you, is he, does he do miracles today? Amen? Is he the same today? Is he the same today? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a theology called cessationism. They said, well, Jesus only did miracles back then, but he doesn't do miracles today. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it say that he stops doing miracles? He's done miracles for 2,000 years. He continues to do miracles. Brothers and sisters, today, I'm I'm a living miracle. You're a living miracle too, but I will, let me explain. I shouldn't be here. Seven years ago, I had an aortic dissection, and my aorta ruptured. You know what? You know your aorta. It's not a small artery. That's your main artery. I had a dissection, and emergency open-heart surgery. 10% survive when your aorta ruptures, and I could do a whole you know, message just on what the details. I mean, it, but it was a miracle. And I had no brain damage. Pastor Roy came, saw me, you know, after I was, you know, he thought I, he thought I was going to be like, you know, <laughs> I was walking, we had Pollo Loco and <laughs> came to my house. I shouldn't be here. You know, I had no fear because I know that if I, you know, I mean, my aorta ruptured, okay? It ruptured. It didn't like almost ruptured. It ruptured. When your aorta ruptures, you have about 30 seconds to live. But it ruptured right when they opened me up. I can show you my scar. I have a scar here. Healed well, so it's just real, you know, faint. Thankful about that, because sometimes open heart surgery, and you have this, like, massive scar that I just have a little. But my whole chest got opened up. I I got a ring made after that. This ring says, bonus life. You can look at that, show and tell later. I'll show you. This is bonus life. But I have no fear. That I know that if I'm going to go, if I'm going, I'm going to heaven. Right? We have no fear because we have faith in Jesus. And all the doctors, I was a talk of the hospital. It's like my my doctor, who's not a Christian, he says, "God loves you, my friend." He's a Persian. He's like, "God loves you, my friend." You know. And I said, "Thank you." And it's a miracle. I shouldn't be here. Jesus works miracles today, man. Do you believe that? Whether you believe it or not, it's true. <laughs> Is it you? And you, you need to. You, we need to open our eyes to the reality that Jesus works miracles today. Amen. That's the God who we we serve and worship. And um, we. How do you get faith? You get faith by hearing the word. You get faith by hearing testimonies. You get faith. And you start believing, and you realize, I mean, we've had so many people, we had somebody that was 70%, he's going blind, and he, we came to a prayer meeting, and he, he told, emailed all of us that were prayer meetings, he says, I could totally see now. He was 100% healed, supernaturally. The doctor's like, what happened to you? You were going to go blind. We had a child with um, Tourette syndrome, which is diagnosed. He's totally healed. He's not, he, he works miracles today, amen? Just because you haven't experienced a miracle doesn't mean he doesn't work miracles. We, we believe and then we get faith and then you can experience him too. But you realize that Jesus is the, I'm a miracle working God. 
That's the Jesus that we worship, amen? If you've called him Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior works miracles. And let me tell you something else about your Lord and Savior. He speaks today, amen? Primary way he speaks is through, your, through the word. So when you do the, that's how I hear him the most. But a lot of times he just, he'll speak to me, you know, through dreams. He'll speak to me just through promptings because the Holy Spirit is living in you. But the Bible says that this miracle working Jesus, he says in John 10, my sheep know my voice. How many people are sheep of Jesus? That means that you have accepted Jesus. That means you're a sheep. He's a good shepherd. And he says this. He says, if you're my sheep, you know my voice and you follow me. That's what discipleship is, following Jesus. And that is, that's, that is the relationship that he's calling us to as disciples, is to know his voice. My sheep know my voice. Ask yourself just this question. Don't raise your hand or whatever. But do you know his voice? Because he's speaking. And if you don't know his voice, you need to learn how to hear his voice. Because if we don't know how to hear his voice, then how can we live as a disciple? How can you live as a disciple if you don't know what he's telling you to do? A disciple is a follower, methetes, a learner. And again, he speaks primarily through his word, or if he, if he doesn't speak to you directly through his word, the things he says, need, says needs to line up with the word. If it doesn't line up with the word, then it wasn't Jesus. But he, this, is, this is what we need to press into. It, it doesn't tell you about what you need to do with your job, you know, in the Bible. But if you ask him, he'll show you what you need to do. Because it, it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 21, that you will hear a voice that will tell you this is the way, walk in it. The Spirit of God. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. How many children of God? If you're a child of God, you're led by the Spirit, and it's, he speaks to you. This is like, this is not peripheral. This is essential to be able to hear his voice. That's what disciples, so my first point is that Jesus is the miracle-working God, amen? And that miracle-working God talks to us, and then now we're going to take a look at Peter, because we know Jesus can walk on water. The crazy thing about this is that Peter actually walked on the water, not for a long time. But Peter walked on water. And brothers and sisters, God wants to show you what he showed Peter. He wants to show you his, his power, his majesty, his glory, his miracles in your life. But it requires the same mindset of Peter. Sometimes we look at this, but I want to encourage us today to look at this miracle, look at this story from the lens of a disciple, there were actually 12 disciples, but Peter was the only one who truly acted like a disciple here. Because he asked the question, he had a disciple's mindset. Because a disciple back then, they, they followed rabbis. Basically, you, you do everything that that rabbi does. Not, and you listen to what they say and you put into action. You follow them. You're a follower. You not just are learning about in your head, but you're learning about life and actions. That's what the disciples, the 12, when Jesus told them, come follow me, what was he telling? He says, I'm going to teach you how to live your life. I'm going to teach you how to have that relationship with Abba Father. I'm going to teach you how to do miracles. I'm going to teach you how to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to teach you these things as you interact with me. That's the disciples' mindset. Now, can I ask a question? This is a rhetorical but is, is discipleship any different today? 
Is it any different today? It's kind of a trick question. Well, at one sense, it is, because Jesus is not with us in the flesh, right? He's not with us in the flesh, but he's with us, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm here with you. We actually have the spirit. We have the Bible. We have a lot more in some ways. Than the th- it's the same. Tell your neighbor, discipleship is the same. I did my uh, thesis, my doctor of ministry thesis on discipleship. I mean, it was just, just eating and breathing, all the verses in the Bible, the books about discipleship. Discipleship, brothers and sisters, it's the same. How many here are disciples of Jesus? How many, okay, let me ask, this is not, how many are believers in Jesus? Okay, if you're not a believer in Jesus, I'm going to give an invitation at the end of the service. You can become a believer. You, it's the best decision you can ever make. People think being a believer and being a disciple are different. There was no distinction in the early ch- If you're a believer, you're a disciple. There's no like, oh, I'm going to go to heaven, but I can live however, however I want to live my life. That's garbage. You think at least I'm saved. If you're really saved, you will live like a disciple. You'll follow Jesus. It's not just, I'm going to accept what you've done for me. Now I'm going to live my own life. It's you're accepting him as Savior. You're accepting him as Lord. You, you receive forgiveness, but that's only one component of your salvation. Now, now you continue to live out. It's like you're born again. You have new life. And then what happens? Then that baby needs to grow. But there's so many Christians, they, like, they accept Jesus and then they live their own life. It really, I really question whether they're really saved. I mean, only God knows if they're truly saved because you, you should bear fruit. If you're alive, then something should grow unless there's a major problem. If you have the life of God in you, you're going to a disciple. I'm a disciple. You're a disciple of Jesus. If you're a believer, you're a disciple of Jesus. And the disciples' mentality is, so a disciple is a follower, okay? A follower is as a follower does. A follower follows. If you're a disciple, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. You just follow what he tells you to do. If you don't follow what he tells you to do, are you a disciple? No. A follower follows. We've made it way too complicated. And we've, we've like, okay, later. Or what, you know, it's just very simple. It's like, am I, am I a believer? If I'm a believer, then I'm a disciple. If I'm a disciple, I follow Jesus. And then you have to ask yourself, where, what is he telling you to do? People don't, you should, right now, he should ask you, what's he telling you to do right now in your life? Like, oh, uh, I don't know. This is not a minor problem. This is a big problem. It's like you're going to your work and you don't know what to do every day. You're just like, what should I do today? I say, ask your boss. Say, what should I do? What assignment do I It's like, I'm just going to do whatever. You're going you're gonna to be a major hindrance to your company if you just do whatever you want. You need to ask the boss saying, what is, the, what is my assignment? Why am I here? What do I need to work on? And then you just do it. It's very simple. I mean, he, it's not easy, but it's very simple. We made it so complicated. It's like, oh, you know, I, you know, just I gotta make sure it's right, and I gotta, you know, have five confirm- confirmations, and I don't know, you know, I, other people aren't doing this, you know, and what is it, you know? And we just make all these slip and slide excuses. We need to get a, a discipleship mentality. Is 
following Jesus. Amen? And that's what Peter was doing. So Peter is a disciple. He's in the boat, and there's, he's with all these other disciples, and he sees Jesus, and this is his like, okay, I should be able to do that too. I, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to listen to him. What's he telling me to do? He had a disciple's mentality that his master was walking on the water, and he said, he's a disciple. He said, if it's you, tell me to, co- tell me to come if it's you. He didn't just do it on his own. You know, that would be foolish. If he just got out of the boat and just he would try to swim or whatever, that's not a disciple. But a disciple mentality, the, the disciple back then, you listen to the words of your teacher, you obey the words of your teacher, very, and you follow their lifestyle. That's what the disciples were doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're called to do. That's our main business in this earth. If you're a disciple of Jesus. So he had the disciple mentality. The di- disciple mentality. Then Peter called him, verse 28, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water doing what the master does. A disciple learns Jesus' words, learns Jesus' way of ministry. A disciple imitates Jesus' life and character. And the disciples, so that's the mentality. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing? How can I follow you? That's the mentality in your, in your work, in your school, in your family, and let me tell you, he is the best master. He know it's like having Michael, you know, like Kobe Bryant on your basketball team. Just pat, he's gonna score. He's gonna help you score. It's very simple. I'm telling you, some of you, some I see some lights going on. He's like, I've complicated my life way too much. I'm a disciple. I just need to follow him and do what he tells me to do. And brothers and sisters, Jesus wants us to experience the supernatural power of God too, amen? Yeah, that's what happened back then. When he was there in Matthew 10, Luke 10, he sent out the 12, he sent out the 22. Jesus was healing the sick. Jesus was casting out the devils. And he says, now you do it. Okay, let me read. The Lord chose 72 other disciples, sent them in pairs, planned to visit. Then he says, pray to the Lord. If you enter a town and welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. When the 72 return, they joyfully report him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So they cast out demons, they healed the sick, and they were freaking out. Because Jesus told them to do it, and they did it. And they're like, oh my gosh, this stuff is real. Tell your neighbor, this stuff is real. This is real. And God wants to, you know, there's some mystery to healing, of course. But God wants to use you to be his agent of healing. And you look in the book of Acts, that's what they did. Jesus went to the Father, and now Peter and the disciples, they all experienced the miracles of God. That's what I've been pressing into a lot more. My, in my early faith, I didn't realize, like, no, that's not for today. No, who said it's not for today? And then I experienced God's miracle because I shouldn't be here. I've experienced his healing. We've experienced people, blind eyes opening. It doesn't happen all the time. I have experienced, you know, cast out devils. Those are real. You know, the changing voices, it's real. Yeah, totally. It's kind of freaky, but it's real. And you say in the name of Jesus, go, and they'll go. It's real. It never stopped. And he wants, and that, in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, that whoever believes in me, 
will do the same things I'm doing, even greater things. It's talk, it, the supernatural is part of our life, of a disciple's life. It's not the only thing, and sometimes people get so enamored by that stuff, you can get distracted. And that's why I say to Jesus, don't get distracted. Just be most happy that you have a relationship with me, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that, that doesn't change, but that also doesn't change the fact that as disciples, Jesus calls us to do the same things he did. He did. So, and that, that was just kind of a side note, but this is a miracle story, right? And if you want to experience, experience miracles, I mean, we're not resp- when I pray for the sick, I'm not responsible with somebody gets healed or not. I, but I am called to pray for the sick. And I know if I don't pray for the sick, mo- the chances of people getting healed are much, much less. I mean, God could just directly supernaturally, but God called me to pray for the sick. If, in James 5, if anybody's sick, lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. That's a, that's a call of God. Can I heal the sick? No, no, it's Jesus. But he uses people. So, disciples mentality. The disciple mentality. That's what we need to get. I'm a disciple. We said it, right? If you said it, you said it. I didn't say it, you said it. I'm a disciple. Now, what is it? A disciple follows. A follower does what Jesus... So you have to ask yourself, am I doing what Jesus said? If you're not doing what Jesus said, again... There's, there's some, some, some serious breakdown somewhere. We've complicated it. And then he says this. He said, just give the word and I'll do it. So there's the disciples' mentality and then there's the disciples' obedience. Like I said, it's not complicated, but it's not easy. So here's one out of 12 that's in the boat and Jesus says, just give the word. And Jesus says, so he didn't do it on his own. And Jesus said, come. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. And he's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? There's water here. I could drown. He says, just give the word and I will come. And Jesus said, come. This should, be, should have been 12 disciples coming out. But it was only one. Think about that. Think about yourself in that place. Think about, you know, it's like you're, you're on the freeway, the 60, and it's just jam-packed, all these cars. And, you know, Jesus says, just walk through. Walk through all the traffic. That would be crazy, right? It's like, I'm going to die. He says, just give me the word. Just, I want to play a human, human game of Frogger. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, that's, that's an old game, but Frogger, the, the frog crosses the road. And, but get, think about that. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is a real risk here. You're telling me to get out of the boat and come? Think about this. The waves are going like crazy. I mean, I don't know how high the... And he put this, puts his foot... And what would you expect? I'm going to sink. Can you imagine that first step? He's like, is there wood here? Am I on a platform? No, no, it's just straight water. And he's like, 
what would you do? I'm walking on water. I don't, it doesn't say how many steps, but just work with me here, right? OMG. Double OMG. And then he's like, this just can't be. No way. No, and then he starts getting, and he's like, oh my gosh, there's water, waves, and he starts sinking. Did he die? No. Jesus, he said, Lord, save me, and Jesus comes and rescues him right away. How many people experience that? Well, as far as I know, in the Bible, there's only one. There's only one opportunity, but among the 12, there was only one. You want to experience God in his fullness, his full plan for you, it's going to require obedience. Amen? And you can ask him, we're going to spend some time today to ask him, Lord, what are you telling me to do? Now, what did it require for Peter? Disciples mentality, obedience. What were the other people not willing to give up? The safety of the boat. Boat potatoes. They were boat, you know, couch potatoes. They're boat potatoes. They're like, what do we do in our life? What do we value the most? Safety. Security. I want to be in control. And in following Jesus, that's a big problem. Big one. It's not minor. If, if you're in control of your life, then who's not? If you're the boss of your own life, who's not the boss? Jesus, right? There's, there's one cook in the kitchen. Again, are you a disciple of Jesus? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior? Then that means that you follow Jesus. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's not complicated. And everybody here, myself included, has a boat. And especially after going through COVID, it's like we're trying, things are so crazy that you gotta, you gotta just try to make things safe for your kids, for everybody. But let me tell you something. If if you're in control, that's not that's not a good place. Number one, you're not in control. You never will be. You never are. You can maybe control a few things, but that's just an illusion. We have a boat. Some of it's your security. You know, Pastor Roy had a boat. His boat was called the Garden Church. Really? He was great. We had a good time. He's our college pastor and education pastor. We loved each other. And then God told Pastor Roy, and Pastor Roy's a disciple. And, and God told Pastor Roy and Jack, saying, I, I want, there's people in Riverside. You know, that's you guys. There's people in Riverside that I want to reach. Peter's like, I mean, he could have been like, nah, I'm good. I like it here. I'm comfortable. But he prayed the prayer, fasting and prayer. 
Lord, if it's you, are you really telling me to go to Riverside? Yes, Roy. And you're going to meet a beautiful lady named Jill. Because <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to get married before, right, Pastor Roy? That was your prayer. And God said, okay, I'm going to have mercy on Pastor Roy. <laughs> it was crazy. They got married, and then they planted the church the next year, right? Or was it that year? Oh, yeah, next month. I mean, that doesn't make sense at one level, right? It's like if you try to figure it out, no, it's like we get married, we need to settle down for a couple years, we have a kid, and then we plant a church. No, no, but the Lord says, go. Right? I didn't know anything about Riverside. Well, Jill did because she lived here, but. And you get out of the boat and you start walking on water. Or he could have said, nah, I'm good. And you guys would not be here. This promised church would not be here if Pastor Roy didn't say yes. Go. That's what happened when we were 25 and we started the garden. I want you to start church. It's like, what? I'm too young. Go. My boat. Your boat is your fear. Your boat is your security. Your boat is your family. You think, oh, God's never going to touch my family. Well, you need to have a talk with Abraham. Saying, sacrifice your son. What do you make of that? Is that off limits today? No. Probably won't happen just like that because that was a foreshadow of Jesus. That's already been done. So many parents, you hold on to your kids like this. Let me, number one, let me tell you something. You don't have control. When you try to control, it makes things worse. It really does. You're going to mess your kids up trying to control too much. I'm not saying just let them do whatever. No, I'm not saying that. But it messes you up. You feel all nervous. And they totally, how many parents you try to control you? Okay, you just close your eyes and raise your hand. No. <laughs> if I tried to control my 27, 23-year-old right now, I would have no relationship with them. They say, get out. I don't want to talk to you, Dad. Because before, I, you know, they had to stay in my house. So, you know, when they're in your house, you kind of have a little bit more power. But even then, realize that you're trying to control your career. I mean, you do, do your best. You try to control all those things, there's no guarantee. There really isn't, right? That's the struggle. That's your boat. When Jesus says, are you going to... But the thing is, it's not just do whatever. It's, Lord, what are you telling me to do? That's the key. What are you telling me to do? If you're a disciple, that's the main question that you have to ask. If you're not asking that question, you're not really a disciple. You're just a disciple, you're a faux disciple. Because if a disciple will follow Jesus. If you're really a disciple, right? And he's going to tell you to do some things that are crazy that don't make sense. Time is it. Okay, we're good. 2012, my wife, Sharon, she's a pastor on staff as well. She's a professor at Cal State Fullerton. So out of the blue, she gets this free ebook on her Kindle. I, I don't even know how, how it happened, but it's called Kisses from Katie. 
And it's a story of this young girl who got out of the boat, went on a short-term mission to Uganda. And when she was there, she was dealing with orphans in Uganda. And one of the orphans said, can I, can I call you mom? And she thought about it. And she's like, yeah, you can call me mom. And that one yes led to her this. She's 19 years old. She adopted 14 Ugandan orphans. She adopted, and this is a story, Kisses from Katie. And she just got out of the boat, and she started this worldwide movement of missionaries. So every day when Sharon was reading this book, I, she does her quiet time up in the room, and I'd walk up. I'd come to bring her coffee, and she's like weeping. I'm like, oh, something's going on in there. And then after she finished the book, she said, um, David, would you like to go meet Katie? And I'm like, I don't even know who she is, but I'll keep you company. So we, we went on a mission trip to go see Katie in Uganda the next, that year. And we went with a, a group called Visiting Orphans. And thing is, and so they, they do trips to Africa. So they were going to go see Katie, and they also would, were going to go to Rwanda. Thing is, so many people read that book that we didn't get to see Katie because there was literally hundreds of young single girls just like Katie that went. But we went, and somehow when we went there, I mean, we went to Uganda, so we went to different ministries. We got, I mean, I never cried so much. I cried every day. You know, it was just something just, my heart was broken, dealing with orphans and just, you know, severe poverty, extreme poverty. But something really touched our hearts when we went to Rwanda. Something happened. So we came back in 2012, and after, uh, Sharon and I like, we got to bring our church to Rwanda. I don't, I, I mean, you just, they had the genocide, you know? That's all I you know. And I saw the movie Hotel Rwanda, where a, a genocide took place. I mean, it's just so tragic. So the next year, I said, Sharon and I said, okay, we're going to send a medical team and a dentist, and we're going to go, and we're going to just to Rwanda, not Uganda. So we went there. When we went there, I mean, it was such a powerful time. We just ministered to people in the villages, and... People got saved, people got healed, people got treated. Now, the dentist who went there, he heard that at that time, in 2012, there was 11 million people in Rwanda. You know how many dentists were for the whole nation? 28. 28 dentists. There's, more, there's about, probably about 280 dentists in Riverside, probably more than that, in Riverside. This is the whole nation, 28 dentists. What does that mean? That means that the... 99% of the people have never seen a dentist. Only the richest people get to see dentists. Now, 18% of fatalities in the hospital, when, when people die, they're related to mouth disease. 18%. That's thousands of people. And when we were on that mission trip, there was a lady who was dying. She had an infection. She was going to die if she didn't get treatment. And Tom, our dentist, he saved her life, you know, through God's grace. But he saved her life, and he knew it. And he, he was like half of, he's a great dentist. I mean, real rich. He's just, he's amazing dentist. And I saw it before my, I saw what was happening. And he was weeping. He got out of his boat to go to that mission trip. And then God called him now out of that boat. And he says, I'm calling you here. He's there now. Last night we had the gala. He's been there for three years. God is using him. He gave up. He sold his practice. He sold his house. They're living in Rwanda. We went last night at the gala. The kisses from Katie book. All, all the boat, getting out of the boat was, go to this short-term trip. So we go. 
Then the next get out of the boat was take some people. So we do that. We don't know what's going on. And then Tom comes, Tom and Lita. And, they, and every time I talk, I'm mentoring Tom, I talk to him once a month. He's older than me. He's like 62. And he says, Pastor, I am so thankful to be here. I am so thankful to be on the mission field. And last night it was beautiful. Like movie stars there last night too. It was awesome. Bo Bridges was there. I was like, you're Bo Bridges. He's uh, anyways, he's kind of an older generation. There was a Mortal Kombat guy. He was there too. I don't even know why they came, but. That's what discipleship is. And he prayed, they prayed about it. Lord, if it, are you telling us to go to Rwanda? I said, yeah. Was that easy? No, but it was clear. He's not calling all of us to go to Rwanda, but he's telling you to do something. You know what he's telling you? I'll tell you right now what he's telling you. He says, you got to get out of your boat. If you want to experience God in a greater way, you got to get out of your boat. Not just randomly, but you got to say, if you're a disciple, Lord, what are you telling me to do? And if you need to pray and fast to be clear about that, I mean, we can never have 100% guarantee, but you can know pretty with, with a pretty good assurance that this is God. And then you go, and then when you go, you'll experience. But what is your boat? Let me just, just think about that for a little bit. What's your boat? Everybody has a boat. Some people, the boat was after COVID, everything became so fearful, and you're just like, I just don't, I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? It's a mentality. And that's your boat and say, no, get rid of that. There's a lot of people that haven't come back to church. There's a lot of people that are living in fear after COVID. That's your boat. God has not called you to live in fear. Maybe your boat is with your kids. You're holding on to them too tight, and God is saying, you got to release them because it's going to cause problems if you try to hold on too tight. That's not being called to be irresponsible. Some of you, your boat is your studies, and you're holding on. This is my career. It, it, it doesn't belong to you. You have no control. It's just an illusion of control. Some of you are making big decisions, and you got to say, Lord, you haven't asked the Lord, what do I need to do? And you ask him. Don't ask me. Ask him. Pastor, people come to me all the time. Pastor, what do I need to do? I say, I don't know. You pray. You're, you're a disciple. He'll tell you. And if you're not asking him about it, you're not a disciple. You're fooling yourself. You're trying to call the Lord. You're just trying to call your own shots. I'm not saying you're not saved. You're saved. You're going to heaven, but you won't really be used by God. How can, it's like an employee that just does their own thing all the time. Then how can the, how can your company president trust you if you just do whatever you want to do? You can. And we're getting serious now. Now, think about this, okay? So Peter just is like, OMG, OMG, I just walked on water. Woo! And then he started sinking. He's like, my life is over. That was good, but now I'm dead. And he says, save me. And what, what does Jesus do? Immediately gets him. Now, I, I have a spiritual director. Her name is Jan Johnson. She was, uh, was really close with Dallas Willard. She took over Dallas Willard Ministries. And I saw her, and then she's like, I want you to picture the scene and picture your, what does Jesus face toward you after you walk on the water? All my thinking is like, he's so disappointed in me. He's like, why? Couldn't you just have, no, 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 no. 
And actually the word there, think about it, okay? How many have uh, young kids? Okay, how many saw them walking for the first time? Okay, wasn't it a miracle? Okay, when they, when they started falling, when they fell down, what did you say? Why? Get up! You fool! You don't have faith! No, you are so happy and proud. Oh my gosh, they're walking! They're genius! Right? You're so happy and proud. And even that word, you have little faith, it's, it's an affectionate term. But in our mind, we have this like, we're so like, man, I failed. Did Peter fail? Heck no! The other disciples fell, failed. They didn't even get out of the boat. Peter walked on water. He experienced the miracle that nobody else did. And he just, and right when he had trouble, he said, help me. So if you get out of the boat and you start singing, you say, Jesus, help me. A lot of times we start sinking and we start condemning ourselves like I failed again. I'm done. God can't use me. That's all devil's lies. But God is so proud of you, amen? He's so proud that you took that step to come to plant the church. Now, it doesn't go perfect, but every time you sink, you call out to Jesus, you're here. And even if you sink, you'll be okay, amen? Even if it totally goes down. But what you're responsible for is to obey what he's telling you. And before you obey, you ask him, "What, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. My sheep know my voice. If you don't know his voice, then you go back to that place of, Lord, teach me your voice. If you don't know how to hear, hear his voice, I'm just going to tell you straight up, you're in big trouble in your Christian life because you're just walking blind. If you don't know his voice... Again, he speaks primarily through the word. My sheep know my voice. And I could tell here, you guys, you know his voice. Lord, if it's you, can we have the worship team come up? Tell me to come. And we're going to just spend a few moments, not just real short, but for the disciples in the house, and if you're a believer, you're a disciple. While the music's playing, we're going to just ask the Lord, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And you, you have a boat. Everybody has a boat. Everybody has a boat. I have a boat. My boat is, we've had a good run, 30 years, successful ministry. It's like, oh, look, I just rest. No, no, no. Don't rest on your laurels or your own security. You could come to him and say, Lord, I'm afraid. Be real. I mean, if you're not afraid, that's also a problem. But be real. And say, Lord, and know that you're going to be fine. Maybe, maybe you can even cry out, Lord, save me, even before you get out from the boat. And he'll say, don't worry, I got you. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. But if you stay in your boat all your life, how's God's gonna, how, how is God going to use you? If you just want to play it safe, why does he still have you here? Why doesn't he just take you to heaven? Because there's a, there's a purpose he has for your life here. Why did he just take me to heaven seven years ago? Why did he give me a bonus life? Because there's more he has me to do. 
I may be so stupid if after that happened, I'll say, now all I'm going to do is just stay at home and make sure I don't get hurt. And he's like, God would say, I should have just brought you up. You're wasting your life. No, no, no. That just made me realize, like, I could go any second. That happened when I was 47. But you can go any second. I mean, thank God it's okay because you're going to be in heaven. But God sent me here today. Don't, amen? God is speaking to you. Close your eyes. Let's close our eyes. Picture yourself in the boat. Lord, there's no fear in love. Your perfect love casts out fear. Take away fear. It's not from you. Just ask the Lord to remove the fear because it's real. If, you, if you're really thinking about this, it's, there's some scary stuff. Just deal with, just let the Lord just give you peace right now. We're going to press in right now. We're going to really just ask the question. I mean, it's not all going to be solved and settled right now, but this may be the beginning of a journey where you can really start asking some serious questions like Tom did, and now he's in Rwanda. God's not calling everybody to Rwanda, but he's calling you to where he wants you to be. Now I want you to ask the question to the Lord directly. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And ask him to direct you. For us, it was just take that next step and go to that mission trip. And we went. I didn't even know what. I just thought it was going to be one mission trip. But it totally changed our lives. God told Pastor Roy, go. Go to River, start a church. That's why we're here. So ask the Lord. You can actually, let, let's actually say it. Let's say it out loud. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Let's say it again. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Okay, now the, just wait on the Lord. God's speaking right now. Some of you, you know immediately what it is, what he's telling you to do. You know the boat, you know, already know. But some of you, this is kind of new. God will give you a confirmation of what it is beyond this time right now. But he's beginning something. So just listen to the Lord. So let him speak. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to us. God is bringing scriptures. In fact, I, some of you right now, you're seeing a clear uh, a picture. It's like a vision. Some of you, God just gave you that before and... He's reminding you, but we're just, I don't know. He's just speaking across the board. He wants to speak to every person here. So Lord, just continue to speak.